Welcome back to Build, Grow, and Enjoy today. Here on the big network, buildgrownenjoy.com. We're going to talk to Dan Koblick here in a few moments. He is our scheduled interview here in just a few moments here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Hello. There's Dan. How are you, sir? Good, James. How are you, my friend? Pretty good, actually. Now, uh, Dan Koblick's going to be with us here in just a few moments here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. And uh, he is fantastic. He has an amazing, amazing book. And uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about your book, my friend. Yes. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, It's the uh, plot to scapegoat Russia. And it's available now, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, essentially, it's a book that I wrote in response to what I view as the increasing Russia, anti-Russia hysteria in the United States, uh, trying to put the, uh, all of that into context, into both historical context as well as political context. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, my hope is it'll do the service of maybe tamping down some of this uh, hostility um, uh, towards Russia. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Joins us live, Dan Koblick. Now, um, why did you decide to write this book? Well, it actually grew out of an article that I had written on Huffington Post uh, entitled, Listen, Liberals, Russia is Not Our Enemy. Uh, th- th- that was published in February of this year. And essentially, I, you know, just became increasingly concerned uh, about the growing uh, cacophony that, uh, of voices against Russia, particularly coming from the Democrats, from liberals, obviously for political gain. You know, obviously uh, they saw this as an attempt to either entirely dethrone uh, Trump or weaken him greatly. I think it's had, certainly had that impact. Um, And so they concocted, I believe concocted, um, and there's some evidence for this that it was concocted, uh, this theory that instead of the fact that Clinton lost because she ran a poor campaign, because she had weaknesses, um in terms of unlikability and being linked to policies under Bill Clinton that people had turned against, for example, NAFTA, instead of blaming, you know, the failures of, of themselves uh, in losing the election to Trump, the Democrats, and, and the Clinton campaign in particular decided to blame it on the Russians. And in fact, we know from this book uh, called Shattered that also came out recently that was written by some uh, uh, folks, some operatives who worked for the Clinton campaign, um, they talk about how, you know, the campaign intentionally came up with this idea shortly after losing of blaming the, the, the failure on, uh, on Russia. And we've seen, of course, that, you know, come to fruition, you know, to the point where, uh, DC seems, uh, almost crippled uh, because it's bogged down in all these investigations related to alleged hacking and other um, allegations against the Russians, which frankly uh, not only have not been proven, but you know to which very little evidence has been given. To the point that frankly, what we're seeing now, 
I think, is that you're going to see the investigations now leaning much more heavily towards the idea of obstruction of justice rather than the actual merits of the claims against Russia, because I think there's very little there there. And in fact, uh, even before the hearings began on the so-called Russiagate scandal, there were Democrats who were telling their um, constituents that, look, uh, don't expect much evidence to come out um, in favor of these these allegations. So um, essentially, though, but my fear is, though, that while I think you may, you know, the Russiagate scandal will eventually... I believe, kind of disintegrate, and you will hear less and less about it, the the antipathy that's been created against Russia in the process will remain. And we're seeing, you know, the dangerous results of that right now in Syria, you know, where the U.S. just shot down a a Syrian uh, plane there, but of course, the Syrians, uh, Syrian government being closely aligned with Russia, and we see Russia reacting very strongly against that. And my fear, and the fear of others, is that we could be headed towards some type of military confrontation w- with Russia in Syria or in some other theater. And uh, that is something I would like uh, very much to avoid. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Dan Koblick joins us here in our broadcast. Tell us a little bit more about the book, my friend, the uh, the writing process. Yes, well, that that was an interesting process. So after I wrote this article, um, again, which, by the way, I got a lot of flack for, even from my friends, or especially from my friends, because, you know, I run in liberal cir- circles. I, you know, I've traditionally uh, have voted Democrat. I, I I actually didn't vote Democrat in this election. I didn't vote for Trump either. I voted for the Green Party. I was pretty unhappy with with both candidates. But um, I tend to, you know, lean, you know, pretty hard uh, liberal uh, left. And so my friends weren't excited about the article, um, thought it was, in fact, disloyal to, to, to try to counter the Russiagate issue. But I felt strongly on principle that, that I needed to speak out against it. In any case, uh, the publisher, Skyhorse Publishing, saw my article and within a couple of days said, hey, would you like to expand the article into a book? And I said, sure. I mean, it's my first book, so obviously I was excited about that. Um, and they wanted it out quickly because, of course, you know, it's a topical issue. And we got it out for a June 6th publishing date. So you can see I only had a matter of, of months to uh, write it, but it actually wasn't that hard of a uh, a feat because the issues I've dealt with in it are ones I've thought about a lot in my life, and I talk about that process of you know my own experience as a young, as a young person um, during the first Cold War. And how I came to view Russia is, is you know, went from viewing Russia as an enemy um, to at least understanding where the Russians were coming from in that conflict. And so, I, as I explained in the book, I, it allows me to think a little more uh, dispassionately, I think, and objectively about where, um, the, you know, the Russians are coming from on this. And I think, you know, whenever... And I cite Oliver Stone on this. You know, he just put out the Putin interviews, uh, that movie, and there's a book tie into that, into that, which I helped on that, by the way, as well. 
and uh, he's been very supportive of my book, uh, and I'm very grateful about that. But anyways, uh, as he said about, uh, you know, kind of explaining his purpose before uh, uh, in writing the Putin interviews, he said, look, even if we view Putin and, and Russia as our enemies, don't we want to know something about them? And don't we want to know their perspective? And obviously that's common sense. I mean, yes, of course. In fact, I was, you know, uh, raised... To believe, in fact, not only do you need to understand your enemy, enemies, you're supposed to love them. You know, that's <laughs> what I was uh, raised as a, as a, as a Catholic um, and a Christian. Uh, and so anyways, I, I, I think the book, what I try to do, and again, uh, what I did in a fairly short amount of time, uh, was try to put together my thoughts that I've had about U.S.-Russian relations over the last, really, since World War II, so the last decades, uh, but focusing most on U.S.-Russian relations post-collapse of the Soviet Union, because that's obviously most relevant, right? We we don't have this competing ideology anymore between the U.S. and Russia, you know, between uh, capitalism and communism. That's gone. You know, uh, Russia is a capitalist country. It's actually a very strong Christian country. In fact, that's one thing Putin, frankly, has tried to do is cultivate uh, the Orthodox Church there and to promote that. Um, you know, so I think we have a lot more in common with Russia than we uh, than we don't. And I think it's important to see those commonalities. Um, as I mentioned in the book, um, you know. Whatever you say about Putin, he was the first world leader to call George W. Bush after 9-11 to express condolences for the 9-11 attacks, to offer help, uh, particularly, particularly in Afghanistan, uh, with U.S. operations to go after uh, bin Laden and al-Qaeda, and they gave that help. I mean, no one disputes that. They, they gave very concrete assistance to Bush. Uh, in 2001 when he decided to go into Afghanistan. And you might recall, in fact, that, that Bush had said that, you know, when he met Putin, he said, I looked into his eyes and I saw his soul. You know, and then he he spoke of a friendship that he, he made with Putin. And so it's interesting to see how things have quickly uh, devolved since then because at that point, um you know, our countries were, were fairly closely aligned. Um, and even into the Obama administration, you had um, uh, Putin helping with the nuclear deal with Iran. You had him really intervening positively to help Obama when, when there was that chemical attack. And then and Obama was thinking about maybe bombing Syria, and Putin stepped up and says, well, let's do this. And he helped negotiate um, getting rid of, uh, having Assad get rid of the his chemical weapons stores there. Um, and then he helped negotiate a peace deal last September, uh, again with Obama um, in Syria. Uh, which was scuttled very shortly after when the U.S. Uh, bombed um, a Syri Syrian soldier unit um, outside Damascus. And so, you know, again, even during times when the two countries were not getting along, because during uh, Obama's uh, uh, terms in office, uh, the relations became more and more sour between Obama and Putin. Uh, but e even notwithstanding that, you see up to the end of the Obama administration that Putin was still willing to work with us in a very constructive way. Uh, 
you know, and whether or not we like all of his policies in his own country, um, whether we view him as an authoritarian leader in, frankly, a country, Russia, that's never had, you know, much of a history of democratic institutions. We have to keep that in mind. Um, it doesn't mean we can't work with him or work with Russia. Uh, we work with a lot of countries in the world, which, frankly, are, are a lot more unsavory than Russia. I would say Saudi Arabia being the most notable one. Um, I think we've done a poor job, frankly, over the years in picking, a lot of times picking our friends and, frankly, picking our enemies. We tend to pick folks, again, like Saudi Arabia, who seem over and over again to be supporting forces in the world that are hurting the U.S. You know, Saudi Arabia is promoting, you know, Wahhabism, uh, which is the you know, ideology of Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and fi what is it, 15 of the 19 9-11 attackers were f from Saudi Arabia, and yet, you know, we just sold them $110 billion worth of arms. So a lot of this makes me scratch my head, and, and I, I think the message of my book is, look, okay, let's take the Russians at their word that they want to be partners with us. They've actually proven that, that they can be. And let's, you know, maybe question our own uh, foreign policies and our own policies towards other countries and to decide whether in fact they do advance our national security if if we view national security as protecting uh, the homeland. And, and, and that's what I hope people take away from the book. At least I hope it creates uh, some sort of debate and discussion because really there isn't much debate happening around this issue. There's very few voices who are saying, hey, let's Time out one second. You know, do we have to go down this road of vilifying uh, Russia and Putin? You know, can we be friends with them? It's almost uh, verboten to speak such things. You know, and so even to the to the extent that you know, Flynn is under investigation because he met with the Russian ambassador during the transition period. I mean, wouldn't we want? people to do that? I mean, during the transition period, in fact, they do. I mean, that's very common. You meet with ambassadors of other countries to get ready for, um, you know, when you take power. Of course, that's normal. But all of a sudden, if you even met with the Russian ambassador, uh, you're somehow suspect. It's true with, you know, Jeff Sessions as well. Um, and it's just dangerous. And it's a distraction from what we should be focusing on. In this country, you know, we have real problems in this country. As you know, we have this opiate epidemic. We have increasing uh, uh, violence. We have infrastructure problems, which was a big thing that Trump promised to uh, to address. Um, you know, the whole Russiagate scandal is just a distraction from, you know, dealing with those real problems. And, I, again, we've seen this before. We saw this during the first Cold War, you know, that every time something bad happened, it was always the Russians' fault. And, you know, sometimes it's the Russians' fault, but it, not always. And I think we need to be realistic um, about those issues and need to get real about, about foreign policy. And I think, I think, you know, reaching out to Russia is actually, I think, in our interest. And, again, if we don't do that, uh, and if the tensions in continue along the way that they are, um, I'm afraid we could be on a collision course with with Russia, which is a nuclear power. I mean, I don't think any of us 
uh, would want, you know, a conflict with that country. But but if we don't mind, you know, uh, uh, what we're doing in this in this very critical period, we could end up with such a conflict. We've got Dan Koblick with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Now, uh, why do you think that this book, this book will appeal to readers? Well, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. First of all, um, it appeals so far. You know, it seems that folks are interested in it. Um, I've gotten a lot of nice comments by folks who've read it. A lot of people have told me they've read it in one or two sittings, which is about the nicest thing you can say about a book. If it keeps your interest in as a page-turner, um, then that's a great thing. I think it's going to appeal to various different people. I mean, it certainly uh, seems to appeal to uh, folks who um, who support Trump because, you know, they um, tend to be uh, upset about the Russiagate. Uh, scandal. In fact, my parents are an example of that. You know, they, they're big Trump supporters, and they were very excited about my book. It was one of the few things they've been excited about that I've done in years. So that's an interesting thing. I'm kind of reaching out to groups that normally I, I have been unable to reach out to because of that, and I find that quite interesting. For example, probably being on your show uh, is an example of that as well, and I'm happy about that. You know, in addition, it does appeal to some on the liberal left who have maintained a certain skepticism about the whole Russiagate scandal and who are very uh, upset about the road that, that, again, it seems the Democrats are pushing us uh, on this Russia issue. In fact, there was a Washington Post story a couple weeks ago in which I'm quoted, which talks about how there are some in the left that are breaking with the Democrats on this issue and telling the Democrats, look, just forget about this Russiagate stuff. It's uh, it's going nowhere, and it's it's just going to lead uh, lead to problems. So I think it's it, it has the real potential, I hope, to appeal to people on both sides of the aisle. Um, again, I, it's an interesting thing. It's, is I, again, I was talking to Oliver Stone about this and he was saying, yeah, it's kind of interesting because, um, the conservatives tend to align with us on this issue, you know, and, and are more open about it. Um, and, and it's interesting and I, and, uh, you know, I'll find allies wherever I can, um, because, again, it is about principles, and it's about peace, and it's about constructive foreign relations, and I'll work with anyone who who is at least open to, to thinking differently about, about Russia. And I've noticed that a lot of um, the folks who are most prominent in calling for a detente and rapprochement with Russia uh, are conservatives, the American Conservative Magazine, for example. Um, which has some great stuff on this, and also a lot of folks uh, from the Reagan administration. Um, Paul Craig Roberts comes to mind. Uh, Jack uh, Maddox, I believe is his name. He was uh, yes. uh, amb- ambassador to the USSR under Reagan. You know, the, the Reaganites are, are very upset about about the antipathy towards Russia, because they were very proud of, of, of Reagan's work with Gorbachev and ending the Cold War and bringing down the Berlin Wall. And uh, they take great umbrage at the fact that, you know, now we're back to where we were, you know, 25 years ago on this. So 
um, I'm hoping it does appeal to uh, people from all types of perspectives who, again, just want a different side of the story than they're hearing in general 24-7, you know, uh, on the news. Well, that about wraps it up here from Build, Grow, and Enjoy. I appreciate you being with us, Dan. Where can we get the book and uh, get in touch with you? Well, thanks for asking. Yes, it's the plot to Scapegoat Russia. You can buy it on Amazon right now. You can buy it as a paperback or uh, as a Kindle. You can go to Barnes & Noble and pick it up there. You can also buy it as a Nook there. 